Welcome to the Awaken Life Church podcast. For more information about our church, please visit awakenlifechurch.net. We hope you enjoy this message by Daniel Willett. He's here. Amen. All right, you guys ready to laugh a little bit? All right, let's just start it right now. Ha ha. He he he. Ho 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 ho. Ho ho ho. Or if you're French, you can go ho ho ho. All right, so um, go ahead and uh, and just uh, I'll call for him like as we go. So, um, okay, first one I dusted once, it came back. I am not falling for that again. (laughs) True story that happened to me. I am not falling for that one again. That's a that's a trap. Okay, go to the next one. Me trying to figure out why I own an ironing board since I haven't ironed anything since May of 2005. <laughs> so all the equations, like really trying to figure it out. So Joey and I prefer the steamer. We use the, we use the steamer. All right, next one. <laughs> an apple a day keeps anyone away if you throw it hard enough. <laughs> I found that to be true. So go to the next one. I thought I liked coffee. Turns out I like creamer. How many relate to that one? (laughs) Yeah. All right. Go to the next one. Uh, Yesterday's Louisville weather forecast, 100% chance of avocado. (laughs) You can see Louisville's right in the heart of the avocado there. All right. And I think we got one more. Okay. When your friends are arguing about whether the answer is 44 or 45 and your answer was South Africa. (laughs) I relate to that one. All right. (laughs) Jesus, we thank you, Lord. Father, we just thank you for your goodness. God, we just thank you for um, that spirit of sonship here this morning. God, that spirit of your grace, of your love. God, we just pray that it would just continue, again, not just throughout this service, but God, that we're just going deeper, going deeper, going deeper. We just sang that song, show us your glory. God, take us deeper into your glory this morning. Take us deeper into the realization of who you are and who you say we are in Christ. God, we don't want to leave this place the same. We want to go deeper this morning. We want to have a revelation of who you are in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to read to you out of Luke chapter 8. We do have it for the screens. I'm going to be reading Luke 8. Verses 43 through 48. Luke 8, 43 through 48. And uh, yeah, if you're reading a digital version, it's NASB. It said, And a woman who had suffered a chronic flow of blood for 12 years and could not be healed by anyone came up behind him and touched the fringe of his cloak. And immediately her, be- her bleeding stopped. And Jesus said, Who is the one who touched me? And while they were all denying it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing in on you. But Jesus said, Someone did touch me, for I was aware that power had left me. Now when the woman saw that she had not escaped notice, she came trembling and fell down before him and admitted in the presence of all the people the reason why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. I want to read the last three verses again, but in the Passion Translation. Jesus replied, Yes, but I felt power surge through me. Someone touched me to be healed, and they received their healing. 
When the woman realized she couldn't hide any longer, she came and fell trembling at Jesus' feet. Before the entire crowd, she declared, I was desperate to touch you. Jesus, for I knew I could, I could just touch even the fringe of your garment and I would be healed. Jesus responded, beloved daughter, your faith in me released your healing. You may now go with my peace. Today, I want to talk to you about the power of faith. That's the title of the message this morning. If you're a note taker, the power of faith. Faith is, is one of my favorite subjects to talk about. The Bible has a lot to say about faith. And, and obviously, faith is, is a big deal to us. We're called believers. Amen? We're called believers. So faith is like a huge thing as, as a believer in Christ. Amen? And at the end of this message today, um, I'm going to tell you what I believe is the single most important way to use your faith. Some of you know we need to use our faith. We need to activate our faith. But I'm going to tell you at the end of this message what I believe is the single most important way to use your faith. So number one, our faith moves God's heart. Did you know that? Do you know that you can bless God? You can actually bless God. And one of the ways you bless God is through your faith. Your faith actually moves God's heart. It's amazing to me that we can move God's heart. We see it in the Bible with the centurion. And Jesus like, okay, I'm going to go to your house. I'm going to heal your servant. He says, Jesus, I understand authority. You could simply just say the word and my servant will be healed. And Jesus says, Wow. The Bible says he marveled. Some, some translation says he was astonished. He's like, wow, I've never seen faith like that in all of Israel. To me, that's amazing that we can astonish God. Jesus was astonished. Think of this. God on, in the flesh on earth was like, wow, that's amazing. That's pretty, that's pretty amazing. The Canaanite woman that came to Jesus and she said, she said, Jesus, my, my daughter's tormented. Would you go and heal her? And Jesus essentially said to her, he's like, you know, my time's not yet to, to go to people besides Jews. I'm, I'm, I'm supposed to come first to the Jews. And she says, Jesus, but even the, the little dogs get the crumbs that fall from the table. And Jesus says, wow, what great faith you have. You have what you asked for. Did you realize that she just changed Jesus' priority? Well, that, does that shake your theology a little bit? He just told her, my time's not yet to go to the Gentiles. And she said, yes, but Jesus, even the little dogs get the crumbs from the table. And, he, and then he releases the healing. He just changed his priority based on this woman's faith. We see it in the, the um, miracle of Jesus' first miracle, the miracle of the uh, turn the water into wine. He tells Mary, so it's not my time yet. She says, essentially, like, they need a miracle. And he's like, okay. He shifts his time based on what a person did, based on someone else's faith. That just boggles my mind. I don't know, I don't know what you do with that. But that challenges me in good ways. So we can move God's heart, and it's your faith that moves his heart. We even see God changing his plans based on people and based on their faith. Hebrews 11.6 says this, but without faith, it's impossible to please him. 
For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So it says, but without faith, it's impossible to please him. So another way you could rephrase that and say, what pleases God is faith. What pleases God is our faith. And I believe it gives us, that verse gives us the two steps of faith. It says, he who comes to God, number one, first, first step of faith, he who comes to God must believe that he is. So how many know that happened the second that you put your face, your faith in Jesus Christ? The second that you said, Jesus, I believe in you. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. He who comes to God must believe that he is. That's the first step of faith. What pleases God? Faith. So the moment that you put your faith in the Son, you became pleasing to the Father. So the second that we receive Jesus, he is completely and fully pleased with you. Angela started first service and she did a little bit in second too, but she was just like, oh, just the Father is just pleased with you. Just say that. Just say that the Father is pleased with me. And she was just going on and on. I was like, you're just preaching my message. You don't even know it. So the second that we come to faith in Christ, the Father is completely pleased with you. The great representation we have of this is, and those of us who have kids know this, the second that your child is born, you're completely in love. You're completely and wholly in love with them. When my son Isaac, who's now two, was born, I immediately loved him exactly the same as I loved my, at the time, my 16-year-old daughter. Same love, didn't love her more than him, exact same love. This is the representation for us. It's like God does things in the natural to teach us things in the spiritual. The second we come into relationship with him, we become his child and we're wholly and completely loved and he's absolutely 100% pleased with us. So that's the first step of faith. The second step of faith in that verse, it says, and, so it says, but without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So what does it mean to diligently seek him? There's absolutely an application for just pursuing God, just being hungry for him. That's pleasing to God. When we activate our faith, when we're pursuing him. But the thing I wanted to point out is just when we contend, when we contend for breakthrough, it's a, it's a way that we diligently seek God, we pursue him. When we contend for healing, when we contend for maybe a relationship breakthrough, maybe a financial breakthrough, when we're just contending for doors to open or for that business to, to, to uh, have the way paved for it to come about, when we're contending, when we're standing in faith, it's pleasing to God. So this, you might be confused, maybe like, wait, I just thought, I thought you just said we're already completely, he's already completely pleased with us, but also we, do, we can do things to please him. Let me give you an example of how this works. I, in my early 20s, I'm 45, in my early 20s, I bought this wallet. I think I spent like $50 on it, which was a lot of money to me back then, but it was like a nice wallet. It's like a brown leather wallet. And... I had that wallet for, I think, close to 20 years or maybe over 20 years. And it was kind of a joke in the family that my family started kind of like making fun of me, like, Dad, you need to get a new wallet. It was like getting in really, really bad shape. And I was starting to even worry, like, is this thing even going to hold stuff anymore because things would just fall out. But one of the reasons that I held on to it so long is because my daughter, when she was a little girl, she's now 18, when she was a little girl, she put this little heart sticker in it. 
And I, and I kept that heart sticker in there. And I would always pull out my wallet when she was around. And I'd say, hey, Tia, look, I still got your heart. And so I would say that to her all the time when she was around. And it even like started to peel out at one point. And I taped it back in. I like took scotch tape and taped it back in. It was keeping this heart, you know. And so for my birthday last year, I opened this box. And it's from Tia, from my daughter. And she bought me a wallet. And it was a brown leather wallet. And it had my initials on it. And I opened it up and she took a picture of that heart and she put the picture of the heart inside the wallet. And it was engraved inside the wallet. It said, Dad, you will always have my heart. Love, Tia. So I was started to cry. And Joey goes, I knew you were going to cry. <laughs> and it really touched my heart. So I was absolutely, that didn't make me love my daughter anymore. I was completely in love. Complete is complete, right? If your love is complete, it's complete. You can't take away, you can't add to it. But absolutely, even though it didn't make me love her more, she did something that blessed my heart. So God is completely in love with you. He's completely pleased with you. But there's absolutely still things that you can do that bless his heart. Does that make sense? So that's the two steps of faith in this verse. The first step is coming to Christ. You become completely pleasing to the Father. The second step is we kind of get extra credit. He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Your faith moves God's heart. Even though he's already pleased with you, your faith moves his heart. Amen. I want you to know this morning that God values, whoop, there it goes. God values your faith. God values your faith. Do you know that? Your faith is precious to God. It's precious to him. He loves your faith. The woman who touched the hem of Jesus' robe, she was exercising her faith. But she was afraid. You know, we see in both those translations that she was afraid that her step of faith was going to actually displease Jesus. The Bible says she was trembling. When, when it was discovered what had happened and she admitted what she had done, but she was, she was afraid. So she was worried that she might actually displease Jesus by extending her faith, but Jesus was moved by her faith. He said, beloved daughter, your faith in me released your healing. You may now go with my peace. So some of us might be afraid to exercise our faith. Maybe this woman was trembling because she'd crossed a cultural line. Maybe it was because she didn't feel worthy of being healed. And maybe you're afraid to step out in faith because you don't feel worthy of your healing. You don't feel worthy of your breakthrough. You don't feel worthy of a better job. You don't feel worthy of, of being able to start this business. But I want to tell you this morning that your faith is stepping out. See, the enemy is always warring against your faith because when we step out in faith and say, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually stand in faith, I believe like the windows of heaven open up for God's favor to pour out on us because he's pleased with our faith. And he's like, I've been waiting for you to ask for that. I've been waiting for you to contend because I've got blessing ready for you. The trap of the enemy is to get us to disqualify ourselves from the blessing of God. So we're like, I'm not good enough. I haven't done enough. And so I don't deserve it. I, I've, I've heard it so many times and I believe it grieves God's heart. I've heard it, people say like, you know what? It's selfish for me to ask for my healing. There's so many people that need so much more than I do. And I believe that grieves the Father's heart. 
He's just like, you don't understand my love. You don't understand my goodness that you would even think that way. God wants to touch people. He wants us to stand in faith. It's pleasing to God's heart when we stand in faith. The actual act of faith, so it doesn't matter what the result is, but the actual act of faith pleases God's heart. And when you exercise your faith, you can't lose. You can't lose because your faith pleases God. It moves his heart. So don't be afraid to step out in faith. So number one, your faith moves God's heart. Number two, it's our faith that moves God, not our works. It's our faith that moves God's heart, not our works. If you don't see this, it's all through scripture, but if you don't see it, you'll read scripture with this lens of works. You'll, you'll, come, you'll approach God with this lens of, I got to do it right. I got to try harder. I got I to make sure I've checked the religious boxes. If you don't understand that it's not your works that pleases God's heart, it's your faith. It's all throughout scripture. So let's start with Cain and Abel. Joy touched on this a couple weeks, weeks ago. They both bring sacrifices to God. God says, I am pleased. That's the wording that's used in a lot of translation. I am pleased with Abel's sacrifice, but I take no regard in Cain's sacrifice. Why? Has God just decided he likes Abel and he dislikes Cain? He just made a decision. I just like his attitude. So I'm pleased with him, but I'm not pleased with this other guy. They both brought sacrifices. Why does it say he's pleased with Abel and his sacrifice and he had no regard for Cain's sacrifice? Cain brought fruits and vegetables. He was a gardener. He brought fruits and vegetables as a sacrifice from his garden as a sacrifice to the Lord. Where did the fruits and vegetables come from? His hands, his works, his sweat, his blood, his tears. And he says, God says, I have no regard for that. Abel brings a blood sacrifice. What's that represent? Jesus. He brings the blood sacrifice. He's like, I am pleased with that. Because why? Jesus paid the price for us. And when we get into this works like, God, I'm going to work it up for you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do, I'm going to try really hard to bring the fruit and the labor of my hands. He's like, just depend on the blood of Jesus Christ. And you can do so much more in that. I'm not pleased with you trying to work hard to earn something from me. I'm pleased with the blood sacrifice that Jesus paid for you. We see it with Abraham. Abraham's known as the father of faith. What's he known for? Faith. He's not the father of good deeds. He's not Mr. Deeds. He's not the father of good works. He's the father of faith the father of faith. The Bible says Abraham, so think about this, this is before Jesus. This is before Moses and the law. Before that, the Bible says Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him as righteousness. He believed God, faith, and it was accounted to him as righteousness. What made him righteous? That's an easy one. Faith. 
It didn't say Abraham did a lot of good works, so God accounted him as righteous. Abraham followed the right things, so God accounted him as righteous. No, it said Abraham believed God. Faith. And it was accounted to him as righteousness. His belief is what made him righteous. Faith. So it's your faith that moves God's heart, not our works. God wants us to completely rely on the blood of Jesus and not on our works. When you rely on your works, you'll always disqualify yourself. You'll always feel like you don't measure up. You didn't do it well enough. You can't do it good enough. That's why the Bible says your righteousness is filthy rags. So that, that should bring you to the end of depending on your righteousness. And God wants you to come to the end of depending on your righteousness because then you're like, I can't do it, God. We've seen this. We've grew up around like a lot of some shame and condemnation, like sometimes well-meaning people. But people come to the end of that and they're like, I can't do it. This is too hard. Christianity's too hard. And they have this feeling of like, I'm never good enough. God's always disappointed in me. I don't even like going to church because I feel ashamed just being there. Like, you know, you hear the people say, oh man, if I go to a church, like lightning bolt's going to come down out of heaven and strike me. You know, that's the kind of feeling that, you know, people come to the end of that and they're like, this is too hard. I give up. You know, and you hear there's extremes of that. There's like the extreme of like, well, I'm going to hell anyway. So what does, what difference does it make? I've already done too many things. And then the more like light extreme of that would just be like, yeah, I love Jesus, but you know, I'm good out here because I feel ashamed every time I go to church. And so I'm just like, I, I believe I'm going to heaven, but you know. So you come to the end of your own righteousness and God's, I believe he's like, wants us to come to the end of it. And we're like, oh yeah, it's not about my righteousness. It's about Jesus's righteousness. He paid the price for me 100%. So I don't have to rely on my righteousness. I'm relying 100% on Jesus's righteousness. Amen? So our work is very simple. It's to believe in Jesus, the one God sent. A bunch of people, Joy was talking about this a couple weeks ago too, but a bunch of people came to Jesus and they're like, Jesus, what can we do to work the works? What can we do to work the works that you're doing? We see you doing a lot of good works. What do we do? What, what's our work? Jesus said, this is your work. Believe in the one that God sent. Believe in the son. This is your work. This is our work today. Our work is not to try to figure out how to do it right. Our work is to believe. Have faith. Your faith is what pleases God. Your work is to believe, to have faith, to stand in faith. Jesus, I believe you're good. I believe you paid the price for me. I believe I'm blessed because of my faith in Jesus, not because of what I've done. Amen? This is good news. <laughs> if we're depending on our works, man, you're just never going to cut it. You're going to disqualify yourself from God's blessings over and over. And there's a lot of like, there's, there's like even people that preach about holiness, again, well-meaning people, but they're really saying this, try hard to be holy. Try hard to do the right things so that you can become holy. Can I tell you that that's not how holiness works? God is holy. We become holy by saying, Jesus, I believe by faith, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. I believe I'm partaking in your holiness by faith. This is how holiness works. It's not about, man, I think I, I think I checked enough boxes this week that I'm actually holy.
This is good preaching. I'm enjoying it. I don't know if you guys are. All right, where are we at? Number three, faith strengthens us. The enemy wars against your faith because faith strengthens you. Bible says hope deferred makes the heart sick. Conversely, faith empowers you. It brings you energy. It brings you life. There's a quote by Steve Backlund I wrote down. He said, anytime we attach faith to what we're doing, we get power, energy, and life. Faith will actually strengthen you. The enemy's warning against your faith because he knows when you step into faith, God partners with that. God's like, whoa, I love faith. I'm pleased by faith. I want to partner with that. So the enemy's always saying like, no, like the woman, she was afraid. Like maybe she was just disqualifying herself. She felt like she didn't deserve it. So the enemy's like, you don't deserve that. Don't step out in faith. You're going to fall on your face. God's going to laugh at you. You're going to stand in faith. Look what you did last week. You yelled at your wife. He had a big argument. How dare you? You can't stand in faith. You know the enemy is the accuser of the brethren? That's what Satan means, accuser. So he's constantly accusing you. And that's why faith, we need to step into faith to believe that we're righteous. Because that's, that's why it's faith. Because we, we sometimes don't believe it. <laughs> we're like, I need to have faith in this because I don't feel like it. So God, I'm gonna, by faith, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. But no, but you did this and that. No, enemy, shut up. By faith, I believe I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. Romans 14, 5. One person esteems one day above another. Another esteems every day alike. Let each be fully convinced in his own mind. If you're facing something, a tough situation, or you don't know what to do, seek the Lord. Try to discern what he's saying. Step out in what he, you feel like he's saying and attach faith to it. Okay, God, I've, I've done this lots of times. Sometimes you, you hear, you know, we're, we're all really thankful when we hear like the thus saith the Lord, like, oh, God just made it abundantly clear. He spoke to me. I'm supposed to do this. But I don't know about you guys, but that's, more often than not the case. More often I'm like, God, what do I do here? And I'm contending and I start to have impressions or feelings. I'm like, okay, God, I feel like you're saying to do this. So I'm going to step out in this and I'm going to attach faith to it. Because I feel like you're saying, do this, Lord. Steve Backlund has a quote that you may not even agree with. But I, I, I like it. He says, the wrong decision made in doubt, or the wrong decision made in, in uh, oh, pff, I wrote it down. The wrong decision made in faith is better than the right decision made in doubt. There we go. The wrong decision made in faith is better than the right decision made in doubt. Now, obviously, we're not talking about sin issues, stuff like that. Like, obviously, there's, you could go out, you can go off the deep end with that if you wanted to. But we're talking about, like, God, should I go through this door or that door? Like, which one? Like, whichever one that you feel like you're supposed to go through, attach faith to it. Say, God, I feel like, I'm, I'm, I feel like you're saying this one, and I'm going to attach faith to it. I, I expect your favor in it. 
I expect your favor. I expect your goodness. I expect you to open the right doors. And I'm, I'm going through this door. Of course, correct me if I'm going the wrong way. We need to have more faith in God's ability to lead us and in the devil's ability to deceive us. Don't put faith in like the devil's ability to deceive you. Put faith in God's ability to speak to you and lead you. That's where you need to put your faith. God, I believe that I hear from you. One of the times uh, I was getting counseling, it was a breakthrough for me. I was, I was saying like, so I feel like I'm supposed to do, I was telling the counselor this, I feel like I'm supposed to do this, but I have doubts. Like, what if it's the enemy? And, and you know, the, one of the things that the counselor said to me that really stuck with me, he goes, you know what? We need to stand and believe that we're hearing from the Lord. He's like, you feel like you've heard that from the Lord. So Lord, we trust you that you speak to us and that you're, your voice is actually louder than the enemy's. And so I stepped into that and I said, okay, I believe that I heard from the Lord and I'm now attaching my faith to it. This was like a breakthrough for me. Because the enemy wants us to get stuck in, in doubt. Whether it's right or wrong, he wants us in doubt. The Bible says, my sheep hear my voice. I want to put my faith behind that. I want to attach my faith to that word. My sheep hear my voice. How many want more strength in your life? Exercise your faith and it'll add strength to your life. Exercise your faith. Anytime you step out in faith, God adds strength to you. So, Usually when, I, when I'm speaking on Sundays, usually sometime around Saturday late morning or like maybe early afternoon, I'll kind of know what I'm going to say. And uh, I kind of feel like I'm ready and I'm just like, okay. And I just kind of enjoy the rest of my day. But because this week was a really full week, and so this, this week, last night, I found myself at like 10 o'clock at night, like we got the beds, we got the kids to bed, we got like the dogs walked, we got like everything's okay, everything's okay, now I can think for myself for a second. So I found myself at like 10 o'clock at night being like, Lord, I know I'm supposed to talk about faith, but how do you want me to land the plane? I don't know how to, how to land this plane. And it was like, I don't like that feeling. I like being prepared a little more ahead of time. <laughs> so I was like, so I, I was like, told my wife about it. And she's like, you know what? It sounds like you just need to like, just put on some soaking music and just go into receive mode and just, just like let God speak to you. And I was like, okay. So I did that. I put on the soaking music and she's like, okay, Lord, speak to me. And I just like, you know, you start to speak to me, like, just like, you know, I love you. You know, I'm with you. And I'm like, okay, but what about the message? <laughs> and so I started to go over all my um, prophetic words uh, specifically over like the last year. And I was going through all these prophetic words that I've been getting over the last year. And I was getting really encouraged um, just reading all these words. But I was like, but what about, what about the message? I'm, I feel, I'm feeling good, God. I'm feeling better. But what about like, how do, how do I land this plane? And so finally, one of the prophetic words just really jumped out at me. And I felt like the Lord was like, okay, this is tied to how you're going to land the plane. And it was uh, a prophetic word from our friend, Chris Kildosher, that he gave me on January 21st of this year. And he said this, as many as receive grace, this was just like a word that he was speaking to me. He said, as many as receive grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life as they seek my face. And he said, there is a turning of a page 
And that was a prophetic touch point for me because he didn't know it, but there's just so many things in my wife and I's lives. We're just like, de- we're like kind of decluttering our life right now. We're like decluttering our house. We're decluttering our schedule. We're taking this focus course right now. And it's just, it's a really great course. It just helps you like realize like, what are the most important things in life? And like, are you spending like the, the majority of your time on the things that really matter to you? Like the things that really are important to you and helping you get rid of things that maybe you don't need to do in your life or maybe that's just taking up time in your schedule. And so I feel like there's this turning of, of a page in my wife and I's lives from just like getting rid of like the extra things, getting rid of the clutter. But that part of the word that says, as many as receive the grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life. So at the beginning of the message, I said, I told you that I was going to share with you what I believe is the number one thing that we should put our faith in. Number one thing that we should put our faith in. What's the most important thing? Matthew 6.33 says this. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added to you. So you can get in this place where you kind of feel like your faith is spread thin. You're like, well, God, I'm having faith for this. I'm having faith for that. I'm having faith for my healing. I'm having faith for the uh, the better job. I'm having faith for all. And that's all awesome. That's all great. Our faith pleases God. But the number one thing that you need to have faith in, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. You need to have faith in the fact that you are the righteousness of God in Christ. Number one, and all these other things will be added to you. Number one thing you need to put your faith in is in Christ and his righteousness. I'm not depending on my righteousness to get into heaven. I'm not depending on my righteousness to see God's favor in my life. The number one thing that I want to put my faith in is God, I am righteous by faith and I'm going to be blessed in my life because of the righteousness of Christ. I expect favor. I expect life. I expect the doors to open because my faith is in the righteousness of God in Christ. That First uh, John 4, 17 says, as Christ is in this world, so also am I. Put faith in that. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. And as Christ is in this world, so also am I. What is Christ? He's, he's healthy. He's not sick. He's abundantly blessed, completely loved by the Father, We must put our faith completely in his righteousness. You are the righteousness of God and Christ. This is where you want to use your faith first, to believe that you're righteous, to believe that you're in the righteousness of God and Christ. So if we could put kind of the pieces together from today. Your faith pleases God. How do we please God? Faith, not by works, by faith. And it actually pleases God that you believe that you're the righteousness of God in Christ. Because it tells God, Jesus, I don't take lightly what you did on the cross. I actually, I'm standing in faith in the righteousness and what you paid for, for me on the cross. Your faith that you are the righteousness of God in Christ pleases God. Standing in that place of faith, believing that you're the righteousness of God. It pleases God's heart. 
There have been times in my life where I realize that I've started to put faith in my own righteousness. And when that happens for me, one by one, I begin to disqualify myself from God's blessings. Until I get to a place where I'm like, wow, I don't feel like God is with me. I don't feel like I deserve healing. I don't feel like I deserve favor. I don't feel like God's going to open up the doors for me. I don't feel like God's going to get us a new building. And then I'm like, what? What has happened? (laughs) And I'm like, oh, I forgot that I'm actually the righteousness of God in Christ. And I've been trying to actually receive favor because of how much I've done. And when you have that mindset, when you don't have your faith in the right place, when you have your faith in your righteousness versus his righteousness, you'll be so accused. And you'll be like, you'll hear this voice constantly. You haven't done it enough. You haven't been good enough. You had a fight with your wife last week. You don't deserve this. You don't deserve that. And you start to believe these lies in your mind because you're relying on your own righteousness. Number one area to put your faith is that you believe that you're the righteousness of God in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.21 He who knew no sin, Jesus Christ, became sin on our behalf so that we would become the righteousness of God in Christ. So when you stand in faith, believing that you're the righteousness of God in in Christ, it pleases God's heart. It's almost counterintuitive to our minds because we think like, oh, I'm thinking too much of myself. I'm like, God's not going to like that that I'm thinking so much of myself. No, it actually pleases his heart that you finally estimate the blood of Jesus properly and you receive it. Say, thank you, Jesus. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ, not based on what I've done. God's righteousness is a gift. It's a gift. You can't earn it. It's a gift of God through Jesus Christ. And I believe this, the more we declare this one truth that we are the righteousness of God in Christ, the more we'll see the blessings of God in our life. Because we're finally in a position to receive. We're like, no, I do believe, God, that you want to heal me. I do believe that, God, you want me to get that business going. I do believe that, God, you want this relationship to be mended in my life. The more we stand in that place of faith, the more that the windows of heaven open up and God's like pouring out on us and we're not relying on self-righteousness, we're relying on his righteousness. And he's like, okay, now you're partnering with me. You're standing in the place of faith and I'm gonna pour out the solution. I'm gonna pour out the answers. Jesus. 20 times in the New Testament, when faith is mentioned, it's directly related to righteousness. 20 times in the New Testament, it's directly related to righteousness to just believe that you're, the right, you're righteous by faith. 20 times. Directly related to righteousness. Saying you're righteous by faith. The Bible says, hold fast to the confession of our faith. Hold fast to the confession of our faith. With, <clears throat> with faith, there must always be a declaration. There must always be a confession. Like even when when we receive Christ, there needs to be a confession of faith. We're like, Jesus, I confess, you're my Lord and my Savior. So when we stand in faith that we are the righteousness of God in Christ, it's it's not good enough to just have it be this mental thing in your mind that you're like, why mentally believe it? You need to confess it. You need to get in the habit of saying it because I guarantee you there are going to be days when you wake up and you're not going to feel it. You're going to feel like, I'm disqualified today from God's blessing, from his goodness. I, don't, I didn't cut it. I'm not cutting it. That's why we declare it by faith. 
Okay, even though this doesn't feel true, I'm declaring by faith, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. Amen? I'm trying. (laughs) Okay. Would you stand with me this morning? I want you to go into receive mode. You can close your eyes if you want. You can hold out your hands if you want. I just want you to receive this morning. And on live stream, I want you to go into receive mode and just receive this morning. God's given an upgrade this morning. He's given out upgrades in identity. He's given out upgrades in beliefs this morning, what you believe about yourself and what you believe about God. All right, just receive this this morning. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. Whew. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. You're relying completely on what Jesus did and not what you've done. You're relying completely on what Jesus did, 100%, not 1% you, 99% Jesus, all Jesus, all Jesus. You're relying completely on what Jesus did. You're properly estimating the blood of Jesus, that it's paid. You are white as snow because of the blood of Jesus. You are justified By his grace, you're justified. The Bible says you can have confidence on the day of judgment. Why? Because you're in Christ. You can have confidence. You don't have to worry about standing before God. The Bible says you can have confidence for that day because you're in Christ. You're relying on him. Jesus, God's going to look at you one day and say, you're in Christ. You're perfectly pure in every way because you're in Christ. God is adding his favor and blessing to you because of Jesus' righteousness, not because of your righteousness. It's all Jesus. You have favor coming your way because of Jesus' righteousness. You have blessing coming your way because of Jesus' righteousness. You have healing coming your way because of Jesus' righteousness. It's all Jesus. It's all Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Now, tomorrow morning, there will be reasons for you to wake up feeling unclean, unworthy, unrighteous, but I want you to hold fast to the confession of your faith that you are the righteousness of God in Christ. Hold fast to the confession of your faith. Where there's faith, there must be a confession. Hold fast. The number one thing you need to put your faith in is that you are the righteousness of God in Christ. And watch God start to do the things in your life.
even, even if you're struggling with the sin issue, the church gets so tripped up on this. They, they think, I need to preach against sin to get people to stop sinning. No, you need to preach that people are righteous and they'll step up to the level of their belief about themselves. If you want to see a sin issue drop off your life, start confessing, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. There's so many testimonies that I've heard from people like in pornography that in the midst of looking at pornography, they start declaring, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. I just heard another testimony that's a recent one. One man, 35 years, everyday porn use, was set free by declaring, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. He just kept declaring it. And he's like, it finally broke that stronghold of my life. This is what you need. (laughs) You don't need to punish yourself for your sin. You need to believe in who you are. Amen.